So we're going to talk about today our topic, but let's pray that the Lord would help me. Father, I just thank you for your, your glory and your spirit that is upon us. And I thank you, Father God, that you guide my words and my mouth to speak those things that would help your people, teach us how to love you more. And so for this, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. And all agreed said, amen. amen. So our topic today is love, the principal thing. Principle meaning it's the first. It's, uh, let's see it up on the screen here. It's the first, it's the beginning, it's the best, it's the chief, it's the foundation, it's the thing that God started because the Bible says that he, what, first loved us, then we loved him back. So we didn't start this whole thing going. He was the one that reached out to us. We didn't find him first, he found us. He called us before the foundation of the world. Did you know that? Before he said, let there be light, he said, well, let there be Martha. <laughs> and he had all the days in his book written about you. He knows where you were, where you're going, where he wants to take you. He never gives up. He's always watching over us. He first loved us. And we're going to talk about his love. I don't have all the aspects of his love. I'm going to try to share with you some of the things that we find in, in Scripture. But the Bible says that we're supposed to experience him ourselves. And then when we experience him, no words can say how wonderful his love is. When he comes through for you, when he helps you, when you, you don't deserve it, when you didn't think it was going to work out, and he comes through for you, all you can say is, oh, you just love me, Lord. You love me so much. Praise God. So we're going to look at this. And, uh, you, you know, Valentine's Day is coming. And I know how it was. You remember way back in the day when you were in grade school? And you wanted someone to give you a Valentine's card, Valentine's Day card. And, and you were, especially, especially that one person that you kind of liked, you know, in grade school. They thought, you know, you thought they were cute, you know. Just, oh, just want to know him better. <laughs> just want to know what kind of soap does he use, you know. <laughs> Make him smell so good. <laughs> and so you wait, you know, for Valentine's Day, and then they would pass out the cards, and they would go down the aisle, and they pay. Not everybody got a card, just the ones that you like, you got a card. So you're wondering if that one person that you like would come and give you a card. And sure enough, they gave you a card. And right away, you wanted to look inside and see what did they say. And of course, they had, you know, Dear Chuck and all the things that they say that's written already pre-written pre and then at the bottom you want to say well what did they say and they would say something like I really think you're special and at first thought you thought well that's good but then you th thinking in your mind special what do you mean special you mean like I'm s supposed to be in special ed or, or Or you're special, kind of different special, maybe for someone else, but maybe not for me. And then you keep thinking, well, maybe special means I really like you and want to get to know you more. So all you know, day you're thinking, what does special mean? But we don't have to worry about that anymore. Because in Christ, we're all Valentines with each other. We're supposed to love each other the same way we love God, right? And even we're supposed to love our enemies. Well, 
You know, I told you my friend at, at work, he said, you know, there's a couple of people that don't like you here. I go, well, they can't be Christians because if they're Christians, they have to love me. Anyway. <laughs> so if somebody doesn't like you and they're a Christian, tell them you're not even doing the Bible correctly, right? So uh, <laughs> now a lot of us are looking for love in all the wrong places. You know that, right? Some people are looking at nightclubs, casinos, drug rehabs, <laughs> prisons. They say don't even look for somebody on public transportation because if they don't have a car, you really don't want to be, you know, <laughs> associated with them. <laughs> I take public transportation anyway, so I'm not prejudiced. But some of us just want to get on Love Boat. <laughs> Remember that show? Some people want to just take Love Potion Number Nine, you know, put that on you and you. <laughs> Captain Antonio says, "What's what? What uh, love?" will keep us together. Remember that song? Love will keep us together. Tina Turner said what? What's love got to do with it? <laughs> we found out nothing in her, in her case. But, but <laughs> we have an editor here. We will be all right. And then now, when I was growing up, all the songs were about love, weren't they? Remember Elvis Presley? Love me tender, love me true, darling, I love you. How about, how about Dean Martin? Everybody loves somebody sometime. Everybody falls in love somewhere. Okay, so anyway... The Beatles sang, she loves you, yeah, 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 she loves you, yeah, yeah, with a love like that, you know I should be glad. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> but now all the songs are beat them, kick them, throw them down, step on them, stab them, shoot them, kick them, cut them up. I don't, I don't know what that's all about. You know, we used to be, the worst that ever happened to us, we were heartbroken. You know, that's about it. So, we're going to talk about God's love. And we're going to start with the uh, next slide, which talks about the four types of love. Okay, four types. There's the eros, phileo, storgi, and agape. Now, eros, we're going to talk about these. Eros is the, the romantic Exciting, physical attraction, intimacy, man, woman, you know, closeness. And, uh, you know, that, uh, that, that happens, and that's good. And, you know, that's the way most people meet. There's an attraction. Like Rudy and Gina, right? There's an attraction. Strong attraction. <laughs> Couldn't keep your hands off of her attraction. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to pick on them. But they did call me in the middle of the night and said, we got to get married. <laughs> when, are you, when are you available? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But see, <laughs> attra this attraction, companies use this attraction to sell all kinds of things. 
cars, hamburgers, uh, beer, chewing gum, chocolate, everything. Carl's Jr. has the sexiest girl that they ever could find eating a hamburger, just all the stuff's dripping off of her. And the guy just was, oh, I want that hamburger. I want to tell you something. Let me tell you something. If that girl ate that hamburger, drank beer, and ate chocolate, she would not look the way she looks. That's for sure, okay? So that hamburger does not make you look that way. <laughs> just look at the Super Bowl commercials today, and you'll find out how much is being sold by just attraction. Because we live in this Hollywood scene here where, you know, girls are trying to attract guys all the time out there. Their, uh, you know, shorts are high, their dresses are low, and guys are checking it out. Now, I, I went to Washington and Oregon, and they don't dress that way there, right? There's, everybody's a lumberjack there. Everybody's got, you know, checkered and, you know, coats and, you know, everything, scarves. And they don't, they don't, this is Hollywood, it's just a, you know, they trap you here. So, and, and they spend a lot of money. You know, a Super Bowl commercial, you know how much it costs right now for 30 seconds? Five million dollars for 30 seconds. It is ridiculous. And they're trying to infiltrate our mind to get us to be eros with everybody, right? But the other type of love that we have is phileo, which is brotherly love. That means someone that you like because you just like being with them. You like spending time with them. It's not an effort. You don't have to try to call them up and say, hey, what are you doing? You know, maybe we could get together. No, you just naturally are with them. When I worked for Kaiser for 17 years, I ate with these same two guys for about you know, 15 years. We didn't try to eat. We just gravitated toward each other at the table. We just sat and we just talked. Then I moved to another location, and now I eat with Arturo every day. Well, I used to eat with an Arturo. I got promoted. I, got, I retired. <laughs> now I eat with Marianne. <laughs> she works from home, and so I'm able to, you know. She goes, okay, lunch break. <laughs> and so we, we have lunch together. But it's a natural thing. Phileo is something that you, just a, being a friend. Now, Jesus said that he wants to be a friend to us. Isn't that nice? Jesus said, I, I used to call you servants, but now I call you friends. In fact, and so he wants to be, he wants to be on, a, on a personal basis with us, like he was with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You remember? They, he, they, he would hang out with them. Can you imagine just hanging out with Jesus? I mean, it would be pretty scary for me. I don't know about you, but you know, he can read your mind. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what your thought process is. He's watching your behavior, you know, what you're going to do. You can't turn on the R-rated movies. Come on, talk to me, okay? <laughs> you can't be gossiping. You can't be talking about people at church. You can't be talking about the pastor. Hallelujah. <laughs> what if Jesus came to your house? Could you hang with him? What would he talk about? And how would he capture your attention? Would you be like... Uh, uh, Mary, just on the edge of your seat, or would you be like Martha, trying to make sure everything's right? I know I've had some celebrities come to our house, and we just, I mean, we're just, all our, our attention are on them. We wanted to draw from them and find out what made them so famous, what made them great. And so I'm sure that Mary and Martha and Lazarus were, you know, friends with Jesus, but they, they enjoyed his person. 
And so we have to enjoy each other's person, the people that we're around. Find something that you like about them. You might not like everything about them. In fact, the more you get to know them, the more sometimes you don't like them. But there are some things that you need to like about somebody, right? Phileo. Praise the Lord. Okay, the next one is storge. <laughs> I look at that, it looks like stooges, doesn't it? <laughs> storge is family love. You know, part your brother, your sister, your niece, your nephew, your uncle. People that are in your family that you love. You know, mothers and fathers, they love their kids, don't they? No matter what they do, no matter how they act, you love them. You defend them. <laughs> Other people might not like him or come to you and say, do you know what your son did or you know what your daughter did? He says, yeah, but that's my boy. <laughs> that's my son. Amen? So because we belong to God, he loves us. So he loves us on three categories. I'm going to get to agape in a minute. But he loves us phileo because he loves hanging with us. We're part of the family, and then he also, agape loves us, unconditionally love. Let me get back to Storge for a minute, because I was listening to one minister, and he has a big church, 30,000 people, third largest church in America. But he was insecure all of his life. After he got married, even to, to, even to today, he's still a little insecure, so God can use anybody. But he was, when he was first married with his wife for a couple of years, he, he couldn't figure out why his, life, his, why his wife loved him. He just, he, one, one day, the, the, it was late at night, and they were laying in bed, and she, he said, honey, wh why do you love me again? She looked at him and was like, just because I love you. Said, no, no, I, I need to know why you love me. So, well, you're, you're kind. Said, oh, okay, good. But what if I wasn't kind? Would you still love me? Yeah, yeah, still, but why, why, why? I want to know why do you love me. Well, you're a good father. But, but what if I wasn't a good father? Would you still love me then? He said, yes, I'd still love you. But I just want to know why do you love me? She said, just because I love you, and that's it, and went to bed, went to sleep. He's still tossing and turning, thinking, why does she love me? Why, what in the world would cause her to love me? And then finally the Lord spoke to him and said, I know why she loves you. Why? Same reason that I love you. Because you belong to me, and you belong to her. And that's why she loves you. And that's why we love our husbands and our wives and our kids and everybody else. Because they belong to us. And that's why God loves us. Because we belong to him. Behold, what manner of love the Lord has bestowed upon us that we shall be called the sons and daughters of God. And the, the last one is agape love. Unconditional love. I like this one. Unconditional means that it doesn't matter what you've done, what you uh, have, uh, ha, you know, um, oh, agape means he loves you unconditionally and he's looking out for your welfare more than his just because he chose you and made a decision to love you. I love you because I chose to love you. Isn't that nice to know? We were chosen as saints. I, I had an argument with, with one of the guys I was playing basketball with. You'd probably say, Pastor Chuck, why are you getting arguments with people? Well, they're not agreeing with me. What can I say? <laughs> I'm not arguing. They're just not responding right. 
So he's, he's a Christian. He's talking to this other guy, and he said, you know, uh, we're all just sinners. I go, I'm, uh-uh, I'm, not, I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. I'm called of God. I've been washed in the blood. Amen? I, I do sin. I miss the mark. I make mistakes, but I'm, that's not my title, sinner. I'm a saint. I'm holy, blameless before him in love. I'm called out. And he, wouldn't, he just couldn't figure it out. He just said, well, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm a sinner. Well, don't feel that way. <laughs> know that you're called. And that's what we have to do. We have to know that we're called by God so that we can have faith to believe that he loves us and he wants to bestow good things upon us. Amen? Let me show you what I'm talking about. Next slide. You remember Mary and Martha? Like I told you, they were hanging with Jesus a lot and, and, and uh, uh, Judah, I mean, uh, Lazarus was there. And so Lazarus gets sick, really sick. And so they send messengers to go talk to Jesus. And look what they say to Jesus. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Notice he doesn't say, Lord, the one who loves you is sick. He says, the Lord, behold, he whom you love. Why why was she doing? She's saying, I'm putting the pressure on you because you love him. Not because he has imperfect love towards you, but your love is perfect. It's whole. It's it's flawless. And it has compassion. And I know that because you love him, you're going to come and save him and pray for him. Notice she didn't say, you need to drop what you're doing right now. I don't know what you're doing in Capernaum, but Lazarus is sick. You better get here right now. Church that we used to go to, we had had women like that. Pastor, I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) But you better get over to the hospital right now. (laughs) Because so-and-so is sick and they need you to pray for them. I'll be there. (laughs) Jesus said, uh, he waited two days. Because he loved him, the Bible says. And then he came and he raised him from the dead. Right? Because why? He loved Lazarus. Not because we love God so much, we try the best we can, but because he loves us so much, takes the pressure off. We, we count on his compassion and on his love to heal us. Amen? Another story. Uh, remember, remember when Jesus went to the wedding? He, he got invited, his mother did, and he did, and his disciples, and they're at the wedding, and they ran out of wine. Oh, sin upon sin, isn't it? In those days, it was. In fact, you can get a citation for running out of wine. It was a public disgrace to run out of wine at a wedding. So, again, here's what he says here. And they ran out of wine. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. He didn't, he didn't, she, she didn't say, now, Jesus, can you do something here? I need you to, you know, come through for us. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. That was a respectful term when he called her a woman. He told her, I can't help you right now. It's not my time. Do you think Jesus know when it's his time? He said, it's not my time. Now, if it, if it was me, the mother of Jesus, if I was, you know, a father or mother, I'd say, Wait a minute, Jesus. I've taken care of you all your life. I I went to the stable. I had you, you know. 
I took care of your pooky diapers. I did everything for you. And now you can't even help us here when my friends ran out of wine? Isn't that what you would say, mothers? No one wants to admit it. Okay. <laughs> but Mary didn't do anything. He, she didn't even answer him. You know what she, what she said? When, when he told her that, he just said, whatever he tells you to do, do it to the servants. Why? She was counting on his love, his compassion. That's why we draw, faith worketh by love. His love for us is so strong that we can count on it. We can go to him. You may not deserve it. You may not have done the right thing all the time, but God says, I love you with an everlasting love. I'm going to love you no matter what. Amen? Amen. Don't, don't you feel sometimes you don't deserve it? People call me and say, well, I did this and I don't think I can get what I need because the Lord's mad at me. No, he ain't mad at you. If you confess it, he'll receive it, receive your uh, confession. So his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And you know the end of the story, right? He changed the water into the wine. The Bible says that was his first public miracle. Now, you think he should know when it's his time, but because Mary reached out in faith, knowing that he loved her, the Father in heaven came down and said, okay, Jesus, go ahead. Now's the time. You can change the hands of God, the time of God, when you operate in faith, believing that he loves you with an everlasting love. Amen? One more, one more. <laughs> okay, next scripture. Remember this lady? She was um, talking in church. No. <laughs> I love you. I love you. <laughs> this woman came and it says here, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Not just demon-possessed, severely demon-possessed. Anybody have any children like that? <laughs> and here, here's Jesus' great response. But he answered her, not a word. You're invisible, lady. I don't even hear you. <laughs> you ever felt like you're invisible? One time we went to watch the Dodgers play. We had our, our friend who got us tickets, and we were actually on the on the grounds, on the floor, on the, on the diamond. And uh, so we're watching them take batting practice. And guys, the, so the players were running by us. And we went to say hello, and they just ran right by us, you know, like, like we were invisible. So I know how I feel. Jesus answered her, not a word. You think Jesus had compassion? I mean, you think this great Jesus, this great healer, what if you call me up and you say, Pastor, would you come and pray for me and I hang up on you? That's not good, right? He answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Two times he says no to her. One, he doesn't answer. Second, he gives her a reason, says, I'm not sent except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the next verse, next slide. Then she came, no, you were there. Then she came and worshipped him. Go back one. Then she came and worshipped him. She's pulling out all the stops, isn't she? 
saying, Lord, help me. Oh, help me. You know that cry? You got that cry, right? Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. He called her a dog. And she didn't get all huffy. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. The persistence to believe, not that Jesus could heal her daughter, but that he would heal her because why? He loves her. He loves people. But he was only sent for the, to the house of Israel, but he broke his own rules to take care of you. Do you think he can break his own rules to take care of you as well? Oh, yeah, I ask him all the time. I don't remember the time I, I told this story before where we were buying this house and I told a little white lie, just a little white lie, just so small. But it made a difference of about $200 on our rent money, <laughs> on our mortgage. <laughs> And so I was convicted, and I said, oh, Lord, I guess I have to tell him the truth. But could you just kind of work it out somehow, you know, where I don't have to pay that extra amount of money, just like you did for Abraham when he lied, and then he had to confess, and then you didn't take away all the cattle and the silver and the gold from him. Could you do that for me? <laughs> could you bend the rules a little bit? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Sure enough, I, call, I, I called up and I said, well, you know, I, I said this, but I meant that. And, you know, it's just, they said, don't worry about it. We knew what you meant. Just let it go as it is. Go, Praise the Lord. <laughs> he bends the rules for you. He solves and settles the cases of his people. You want to be in that category? All right. Okay, as we get ready to close, I, I, I want to, um, we have some scriptures that we're going to read here. Talking about... God's love for us, all right? Okay, so I'm going to have uh, you all uh, speak. Okay, so we have some un, un, uh, unscriptures, if I could say it that way. <laughs> okay, let's look at it. God's unmerited love. So, Marion. For scarcely a righteous man will one die. Yet, perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Amen. Don't read it yet. Okay, so what's he saying there? He says, you really didn't deserve it. You, you were a sinner. How many of you were voted the most likely to be saved in your high school? Most likely to live a godly, holy life. Not I. <laughs> I was ripping and tearing and having fun, doing anything I wanted to do. I didn't think I was sinning. I was just having a good time. But God, in his rich mercy, called me. Praise God. So it wasn't because I merited it. You know, uh, when we were younger, those of us who were in the Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, you get merits, right? You get so many merits and you become an Eagle Scout for camping or fishing or hiking or things like that. But I didn't have any merits <laughs> to be a Christian. It was his unmerited favor. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Amen? 
Okay, unconditional, Maggie. Um, God's powerful word, unconditional, Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to, pray, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Right. Unconditional means that we weren't qualified. We weren't the best. We weren't the smartest. We weren't the most educated. We weren't the best eloquent speakers. But God unconditionally took us the way we are, as we are, as we is. He took us. Isn't that nice to know? He didn't have to clean us up first. He didn't have to say, well, you have to do some things here to get you right. You know, you need to go to church for a little bit. Or He just, come as you are. He doesn't leave you the way you are, but he says, come as you are. Right? No requirements. Unconditional. How, how about the next one? Charlie's got that one. Unending. Jeremiah 31.3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn thee. Everlasting. When does everlasting end? Never, right? Everlasting means it never ends. You can't end it. It keeps on continuing. It never runs out. We had a friend that called us the other day. And she always calls me when she's in trouble. She doesn't go here, so. But she said, Pastor Chuck, I need your help. I go, what is it, dear? <laughs> my TV went out. And I'm going to have an operation, and I need my TV when I recover. Can you help me? <laughs> and just, I don't know, my joking way, I said, you know, I'm kind of tired of helping you. <laughs> now, I know none of you would ever say that or even think that. But, you know, when you pour out, you know, year after year, you just, you know, just as a joke, I said, you know, I'm kind of tired of helping you, you know. And she didn't, she was like the woman, she didn't think anything of it. She goes, oh, really? I go, ah, just kidding. God would never say that, would he? I'm tired of helping you. You've asked for too much. I don't have, I don't have any resources. But we, we helped her. We, because I got to be like God, right? Be like my Heavenly Father. His love never runs out. You, you know, when I was first got saved and was believing God for finances, I kept thinking, well, I don't want to bother him with all my requests, all my needs, all my concerns. That's just the way I was taught. And God, you know, it's not, nothing for God to do what he has to do for us. I remember the, the young girl that asked uh, God, is, is, uh, is there life on other planets? And he said, no. And then he said to her, or she said to him, why did you go through all the problem of making all the galaxies then? He said, what problem? <laughs> I just spoke it and it happened. And it's still happening. So you ne God never gets tired of loving you. Amen? Okay. Veronica. Unseparable. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any 
other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you imagine that? Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing that you do will separate. So, you know, I know when we sin and when we miss it, we feel so bad. We say, oh, I don't, I don't feel close to God anymore. I felt like I'm separated. Well, that's not what this Bible says. It says that we will not, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Amen? Okay, the next one is uh, Norma, who's in the kitchen. <laughs> so let's go to it. Let's see if someone can read it. Veronica, why don't you read this one too? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It went right to unselfish. Okay, let's, let's uh, read that one. Okay, unselfish. Right. Unselfish. God could have said, you know, they messed up. They deserve it. I'm not going to go through the trouble of coming back. But he was unselfish. He started off, for God so loved us. And the next, there's another unselfish there. Right. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So God's love for us keeps us because he's unselfish with his love. Now, we have to do that to others, and we're going to get on to that on the third week, but we have to be unselfish love, uh, agape love, to love someone. I asked my Muslim friend at the, that I play basketball with, I go, okay, let's see how close we are on this love thing, because I know you like family, and I know you like... Um, being good to people even though they're not in your family. But why do you do it? Or what if somebody was mean to you? What, how would you respond back to them? He said, well, I would still be in love with them. I would still show acts of love. I go, yeah, but we do it because we want them to come to know Christ. We want them to see that Christ is the same way to them, that he's reaching out unselfishly. Okay, and the last one is with um, Joanne. Unshaken, Psalms 94, 14. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. It also says he will never leave us or forsake us. And praise God, through his death and resurrection, he inherited us. By believing in him, we become his sons and daughters, and he our heavenly father. Amen. Is that in there? <laughs> <laughs> I gave her a short one, so she added on to it. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. I don't, I don't have to do my thing anymore. No. But he's unshaken. means he's not moved by our mistakes, our faults. Peter betrayed him. Abraham lied. Moses killed. David killed as well. But God still loves us. So let's look at the last slide there. What does it say? Talking about God's love, think about this whenever you're talking to him. It's unmerited. Oops. It's unmerited. We didn't deserve it. Right? Unconditional. We weren't qualified to be in his 
family, but he took us. Unending, it doesn't end, it doesn't stop. They don't invite the Thanksgiving party and not invite you. He's, you're always invited. Unseparable, that means he's never going to leave you. Unselfish, his thoughts are towards you always. And unshaken, he's not moved by your mistakes. Isn't that a good God? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for your goodness. We thank you that you're the Lord that is more than enough unto us. We receive all that you have for us, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.